to the show. You're listening to the WE Podcast, where we speak, we grow, we rise. I'm your host, Sarah Menares. I'm passionate about creating community and providing a space for speaking authentic truth, growing together, and rising above challenges and into the full power of all we were created to be. This week on the WE Podcast, my guest is Dr. Laura Baltadano. Laura is a veterinarian, an ACE certified health and wellness coach, a yoga teacher, and is working on becoming qualified to teach mindful-based stress reduction. Her focus is overall wellness and being able to help people achieve growth and health in every area of their lives. She's also a mom, a wife, a speaker, and an advocate. During our conversation, Laura talks with us about growth, transformation, grief, and pain, and mostly losing her son a few short months ago to suicide. Laura is determined to help others and start talking openly about the things that far too often remain silent. She truly inspires me with her heart and her will and her ability to speak her truth in the midst of immense pain. I know you will be touched by this interview as I was. So here we go. Here is my interview with Laura. Here we go. Welcome, Laura Baltadano. Did I say that right? <laughs> I've known you forever. And <laughs> you did. You did. <laughs> Good. Oh, I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for joining me today on this episode of the We Podcast. I know that you have such a powerful story and heart and love for others. And so I know that this is just going to be amazing. So thank you for saying yes to coming on here and sharing your story with all of us. Well, thank you, Sarah. I'm really, um, I'm just so happy that you've asked me to be on here. Um, I think you're, you're a wonderful, wonderful lady. And I've, it's been such a pleasure to know you these past couple of years. And yeah, I'm honored to be on your show. So thank you for asking. Yeah. Oh, I think you're wonderful too. <laughs> Yes. So we've known each other about, has it been like two years? -ish? Yeah. 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 Years. Mm -hmm. Crazy how fast that goes by, huh? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so we met um, through a coaching program that we were both doing and building our businesses. And I think that for me, one of the huge benefits that came out of those coaching programs were the relationships for sure with people like you and I agree yeah. yeah yay so the we podcast is really all about speaking your truth and telling your story because I really believe that our stories are powerful and that there are people who need to hear our truth our stories in order to be able to move forward in their own lives and I, I think, too, not only what's happened, but how people have worked through it or continuing to work through it or continuing to rise above all of these challenges that, that happen in our lives. And so I know that you are going out and you're speaking in lots of different avenues and areas. And so that's why I thought it would be so amazing to have this platform for you to be able to speak as well. Yeah. I that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so where do you want to start? What back at the beginning? I mean, what's on your heart? I, I really just want you to share whatever it is that you feel is on your heart to share with our listeners today. And so, yeah, you can yeah. tell so, us a bit about you or. Yeah. Um, there's so much to say, right? How do you sum up a lifetime right. um, in a little while? But I think it's important to go back a bit into my history so that people can understand that you don't, um, I guess the big, one of the big messages for me is that your past does not define you. And people that know me now 
will see me and they have their story in their mind about assuming what they think I've done or haven't done. Uh, and, and I think people do that a lot. You know, you look at someone who you admire and you assume that they're at that place that you liked me, but that you can't ever be. And it somehow seems really unattainable. Like that can't be you. Like that's wonderful. They're there. And there's this comparison game, you know, that, that people do all the time. And it starts mm -hmm. early on, really. I mean, I already see it in my own kids and it, it makes me sad because mm -hmm. it's not necessary, but there's so much learning one can do and so much suffering as a result um, that people have this, this feeling of lack you mm -hmm. know, that they have because they think they're, they're not enough because they see someone else who has X, Y, Z and somehow they can't have that. And it's so not true, you know? Um, yeah. So for me, I mean, I grew up um, in a really difficult space because my family, my, my mom, my stepdad did drugs and, you know, I'm sure they wouldn't necessarily be super pleased that I'm talking about that, but it's, you know, it's the truth and there's different reasons for that. And I've come to the place where I don't judge them for that. I understand that's where they were at at that time, but, you know, growing up as a child in that environment, it was a very negative environment, a lot of yelling and screaming and not being there for me, you know, and it was not safe to share my emotion and um, to really, it wasn't a place where I could just be happy and be a kid, you know, and, and so I was very introverted and I was very shy. Um, and at school, they actually nicknamed me attitude, you know, because people would say that I looked mad or whatever, even when I didn't outwardly, you know, personally necessarily feel bad or mad, but that's just kind of what I portrayed. And I think it's just, part of what was going on at home, you know, and people don't know that, you know, they, they really don't know uh, what's going on in your home, in your mind. Um, only if you share it, will they know? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, having grown up that way, um, I just felt, you know, people can do one of two things, right? You can become a victim and say, this is what I had and that's all I know and continue doing the same thing. Or you can say, I'm not, I don't want that. And I'm not going to do that. And that's the route I personally went. So when I had my own family and everything, I just knew that that's not what I wanted for my kids. And I mm. didn't have a model, you know, obviously to do something different. I just knew I wanted to do something else. And so trying to find my path of what that something else looked like has been years and years of my whole life here really in the making, you know, um, mm -hmm. and it's not perfect. And, um, I'm, you know, really a recovering perfectionist, as I like to say, because, you know, I did have this for a long time, this perfectionistic kind of attitude that I, that I need to be perfect. And I don't know what all it stems from. And maybe it's just feeling like if I don't do something X way, I'm not going to be loved or I'm, you know, that not, that not enough thing. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but recognizing that that's just an illusion, like nobody's perfect, you know, and I'm never going to be perfect. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't strive to be better. Um, but that whole mindset of growth was really, it was a really a mind shift for me. And I, I feel like a big part of that shift was actually when I was in vet school. So when you, you get into vet school, you have to work really, really hard <laughs> to get in. Um, and then to get through, I mean, when I, if you haven't been through that, you literally have no clue <laughs> what it's like to be and get through vet school. And I, I did that after having already four children. So I had my four kids while I was in vet school and I had to have the support of my husband, which without, I, you know, I don't even know that I could have done it quite frankly, mm -hmm. but it was a really, really rough, rough road. And, um, but I got through, you know, but there was, there's that the imposter syndrome, right? So when I was in vet school, one of the things that, that, that not enough, I'm an imposter. What am I doing here? I'm not smart enough. Cause at this point, I was way older than the majority of the people in my class. You know, most of them were pretty young, just having finished their four year bachelors and didn't have kids or, you know, anything like that. So it's like my brain didn't work fast enough or, you know, I that I wasn't enough and they seemed to pick stuff up so quickly and I wasn't you know, smart enough or how was I going to do it type of thing. Um, I just was having a really hard time feeling like I wasn't enough. And there was a, a professor that told me about a book called Mindset by Carol Dweck. And that was really instrumental for me. 
because the concept in that book was seeing um, difficulties or challenges as an opportunity for growth. And that was really a mind shift for me Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, a lot of times we get stuck on this is hard. I can't do this. And, you know, you don't know what to do next. You feel like you're a failure, you're overwhelmed and you get stuck. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I needed to get through vet school. (laughs) So that was um, really just looking at it that way made a really big difference for me. And I've taken that, that concept and used it for the rest of my life ever since. Yeah. And, you know, we looking at challenges and knowing that there is absolutely a way to get through whatever that challenge is. Um, Does it suck sometimes? Absolutely. Um, And maybe your first attempt to do something different doesn't work. And you might take multiple attempts, but there is a way. I have learned that there is absolutely a way. You just have to keep trying to find the way that works for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's how I live my life now, you know, with every single challenge that comes. And and what can happen, of course, too, is that sometimes there's multiple challenges that are coming at once that can seem overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And what I do is take them one at a time. You know, I'm not, I can't think about them all at once. So depending on the level of priority of what it might be, you know, saying, okay, I'm going to take care, do this one first, you know, and then on to the next one and just get through them one at a time. Because otherwise people just get, again, that, that state of overwhelm, like there's so many things and then you compile them all. And then you get in this place where you're stuck. Like you don't, you can't move forward. Like there's so much to do. What do you, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Right. What right. I do is take them one at a time, one at a time, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and there, there is always a way around everything. Yeah. Um, so it's just, again, a matter of finding what that is. So I've used that, that concept in, in so many different aspects of my life. Um, and I, I've seen it's, it's made a difference. It's made me uh, be more positive, knowing that there is a way, even when it looks like there's not. Um, and I also used to tell myself, I mean, we tell ourselves so many stories, and right, about mm-hmm. things about ourselves and about others that are so not true. Yeah. And um, there would developmental psychologists say, and you should probably know about this, that as of as early as age two, we have the, the ability to begin telling ourselves stories, right? So about the, what we see around us and then perceiving that, um, however we perceive it, and then internalizing that. Mm-hmm. So we think that that's the way the world is, uh, right. and that's just how it is. But that's not necessarily the case. And it's, it's really interesting when you look at... Um, one of the things I teach in my MBSR class is the idea of perceptions. And when you look at, um, you've probably seen the, the picture of like the woman that's an old woman or a mm-hmm. young woman, depending on who, who you look at. I've had people in my class actually argue because, you know, say that they don't see the other one and they're like trying to have somebody show them and they're arguing like they don't see it. Mm-hmm. They just don't see it. And that pertains to so many things in life, right? Because you're literally looking at the same exact thing Right. You're looking at it in whatever way you're looking at it. And then if you don't recognize that that other person is valid in their point in the way they're seeing it too, you could argue all day long, you know, right, <laughs> and right. get mad at how many things does that happen with in life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so also coming from a place of understanding that your perspective is not the only one, you know, yeah. things like that too is, is really huge. So, um, so yeah, I mean, my, my own journey that through vet school was challenging and then I got done with that. Um, and then recognized that I wasn't taking care of myself the way I should be physically. Right. So, um, when I got into vet school, I gained weight and, you know, you're so focused on getting through such a difficult program that that's, what's most important at that moment, you know, and mm-hmm. I wasn't taking care of me, which I, you know, should have been. Uh, but I wasn't at the time. And after that, I was told, oh, when you get out of vet school, things will be better. You know, it won't be, it won't be so, so difficult. You know, you'll have a normal life then. And, you know, it'll just go back to what it was and it'll be fine. Well, no, <laughs> it does not get easier. <laughs> yeah. Life is not meant to be easy. And it just changed, you know, the, the hard changed but it's still life, right? Life Mm -hmm. throws things at you all the time that you have no control over. 
and uh, I was I kept gaining weight. And it was at that point that I thought, you know what, I need to take control of my health because it's up to me to do that. And I, it was at that point that I became really passionate about health and fitness because I saw when I took care of myself, what a difference it made in my attitude, um, my mental state and how I interacted with other people around me from my family to work, to friends, you know, just everything. It really shifts your focus because you feel you're feeling better. You're feeling good. You're taking care of you. Hmm. Um, and so that was the, the physical aspect of it. But over time, I, you know, and, and I became a health and wellness coach then too, because I just got so excited about sharing that. And over time, I kept seeing people that would, you know, I'd work with, but that would struggle. And I'm like, okay, so what else, what, where are they struggling? What, what is it that else that they need? And it was the top two things that I would hear is that people didn't have enough time. Um, and that they're, they were too stressed out and basically, you know, because of the stress and they would stress eat or whatever, you know, not take care of themselves because they were stressed out. Mm-hmm. So, so then I was like, okay, well, if this is the struggle that they're having, how can I help with that? And so that led to the next part of my journey, which was becoming a time management trainer, because I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, I, if you say you don't have time. Yes, you do. Um, here, let me show you how you're going to make that time, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, the other aspect is the stress. And that led me to mindfulness and mindfulness-based stress reduction. And then ultimately, mindful self-compassion. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, hands down, that practicing mindfulness and MBSR, which is mindfulness-based stress reduction, so MBSR for sure, and MSC, the mindful self-compassion, has changed my life in ways that I can't, it just makes me emotional talking about, I mean, ways that I can't even barely begin to express. So mm-hmm. um, it is absolutely life-changing. Um, mm-hmm. and, and having been on that path um, and just recognizing, like, I felt like this is, this is my path, this is my purpose to share this because I just, I could feel and I could sense that just how life altering it is and how I wanted to be able to share that with other people. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I took the, the courses and I'm still in the process of getting actually certified, but to be an MDSR teacher and, to, you know, be able to teach others to do this, um, understanding that we, we live in these stories that we tell ourselves in our mind and, and telling ourselves that we're not enough and somehow that we don't matter and that it's not true. It's really something in your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. the other thing I've recognized too, is that even though I have this desire and passion to teach others to take care of themselves and to alter their mindset and all those things that no matter how much I want it for someone and no matter how much I know that it will help them, that unless they're in the space or in the place to accept it, and to work toward that too, if they're not open to it, then it's not going to help. Mm-hmm. So knowing that I can't control anyone and I can't make them, but I can be there and support them and provide them the tools. Yeah. Another big lesson for me and the worst possible lesson that I could have in that, it was kind of like the ultimate lesson was that of my son. So... Mm-hmm my son was really struggling with that. And so many teens do mm-hmm. uh, feeling that fine, trying to find their place, you know, in this world. And there's so much bullying and things that go on and kids can be so mean to one another. And that age where the hormones are just all over the place and um, feeling that, that comparison that they have to do all the time, somehow they, you know, that's what they do anyway, they don't have to, but um, right. they kind of get stuck in that. And that feeling I'm not enough and look at so-and-so, you know, they're better and I'm not, I'm not good enough. And, you know, that feeling of, of isolation, you know, feeling like you're alone. Um, and again, sort of knowing that as a mom, right, no matter how much I want for my kids and I have, I have all the tools and the knowledge to have changed my own life. 
that I can't make anyone, even my own children, you know, take that in if they don't want it. Mm-hmm. Um, and my son was struggling with depression and other things that we don't fully know, but ultimately he took his life. And it's 11 weeks ago today. And mm. that, <laughs> talk about the ultimate lesson in knowing you can't control anybody, right? So right. you can't ever know what's in anyone's head. You can't. Mm-hmm. There's no way unless they tell you. And so many people go through life judging others, you know, looking at them and thinking whatever it is about them. And they literally have no clue what that person is going through. Um, No clue if that person doesn't share. And I just feel like it's so important. And one of my big messages is being kind to others, you know, Mm -hmm. being kind and being compassionate um, to other people, even when they're not acting their best, you know, or you don't agree with them, you know, that's their place in their space. And I'm not saying you should accept abuse, you know, or anything like that, but just being more understanding of other people, I think is so important. And knowing that even people are angry or lashing out at you or acting not their best, that it's not probably about you. Mm-hmm. No, it's really not about you, but yeah. you make it about you and then you feel okay. bad and somehow that person made you feel bad. No, you, you made yourself feel bad, you know, but it's like people don't want to take ownership you know, Mm. of what they're, they're necessarily going through because it's easy to point fingers and to blame everybody else, you know? Right. But I think coming from that place where you're just being kind and compassionate to others is so important. And on the other side of that, being kind and compassionate to yourself. Yeah. And knowing that you're human, you know, coming back to that part about being a perfectionist, you know, and a recovering perfectionist in my case, because I realized that I'm, I'm not perfect, no matter how much I want to be, and I'm going to make mistakes. And that's okay. Um, it doesn't always feel okay at the moment, depending on what's going on. But what wouldn't be okay is, is not ever learning from it and continue doing the same thing and making excuses. But when you take that again for this opportunity for growth we were talking about, then everything changes because you're, you're then learning from that mistake or that situation or that challenge, whatever it is, whether you actually made a mistake or feel you did or not, but learning from that and then moving forward in a different way, right? So it changes you, it transforms you. Mm-hmm. And you use it in that way um, to become your best self, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a process, but you know, there's also people that feel like, well, if I do X thing, if I get to this goal, so this is my goal, right? Whether it's in business or self care, whatever. If I get to this place, then I'll, I can be happy, right? Yeah. And and then you get to that place, and then okay, you might be happy for half a second or, you know, whatever, but then the next thing comes up, you know, and right. happiness the is that, never attainable. Right. Exactly. And mm-hmm. you know what, in my mindful self-compassion course that I took, one of the things that really, really resonated with me was this, um, quote, and I don't remember who it was from, honestly, but, um, I remember it so much, right. Because of, of, of what it was. Is the gold is in the shit, mm. right? Yeah. And another one is no mud, no lotus. Mm. So that concept that sometimes when you feel like the shit's hitting the fan, right? Right. Yeah. That there's actually gold in that, and that's the process of growth. You know, you're looking at it like this is a le- what can I learn from this, right? And and what can I do? right move forward with that new knowledge and and i'm telling you this from a not just whatever i mean this is how i live my life and and i've had to look at that from the loss of my son too you know mm-hmm. so it doesn't just apply to other you know day to day things it applies to some massive massive things and right being able to look at that and and say because I can tell you from the perspective of 
a, a, not only a mom who's lost a child, which is hard enough mm-hmm. in its own unique, unnatural state, if you will, of things, um, a law, a ch- uh, sort of having lost a child specifically through suicide is really hard to sit with, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. understanding that all the whys that one asks and all the what ifs, you know, that you bombard yourself with, what if I would have done this? What if I would have done that? You know, why did he do this? You know, why didn't he tell me? I mean, I could, I could ask these questions all day long. And I did certainly ask them at the beginning, mm-hmm. but knowing that I cannot. So with my mindfulness practice, right. That I had as a tool before this, which has been my saving grace. Um, is recognizing that it's normal to ask those questions. But if I stay stuck in asking them over and over and over to which I will never in this lifetime have an answer Mm. will cause me to suffer. And one of the things we learn through mindfulness is that in mindful self-compassion is that we all have pain in this life. Life is painful, a lot of the times, you know, there's joy mm-hmm. through that. Absolutely. Uh, but there is pain and pain times resistance is suffering. And so when we resist it, uh, when we resist the pain that we're having, when, when we're asking these questions over and over and over to which I'll never have an answer, you suffer. And I know that that's not the best place to stay uh, for myself and for my family. I have other children, you know, and I feel very strong that I am here for a reason. Mm. And for me, I've used this incredible pain in, in understanding of I can't control anyone, not even my children, you know, because as a parent, that's what you want, right? Mm. To, you think about all the things you're going right. to teach your child and keep them safe. And, you know, that's the, the big thing and knowing that their own, their, their own individual, Yeah. No matter how much you want to keep them safe, that there's going to be a period where they have their own free will and choices in life and their own life to live or or not. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can't, you can't control that. And as a parent, that's really hard. Yeah. To me, that's like the ultimate lesson, you know? Um, And so just coming back to that and, and, and recognizing that I can't, I don't want to, I shouldn't, in my case, you know, I, I feel, um, continue suffering and then have others suffer around me. Um, then how do I move forward, you know, with that, with that mm-hmm. loss and not resisting the pain that comes with it. Right. Yeah. So the times that I'm feeling the pain, first of all, recognizing that I myself personally am not the pain, the pain is not me, but that there is a pain because I feel it. And using the mindful self-compassion practice of feeling the pain and sensing it, but not feeling like that's me and sort of coming into it like inquisitively, like, what does it feel like? Right. So that pain is sharp. Is it, you know, this is grief. This is what grief feels like. I feel it in my chest. I feel it in my gut and kind of wrapping your arms around it or your hands around it and, and just being gentle with it, you know, just sitting, sitting with it and not resisting it because Mm. that only makes it worse and sort of letting it soften and soften. And um, that's the practice of mindful self-compassion. And that has been, again, instrumental in my healing, Mm -hmm. Um, knowing that I can't, this pain is there and it's normal. This is grief and that's what it feels like. And it hurts, it hurts a lot. Um, But knowing that that's what it is. And I, and I, I can't, I just need to sit with it, if you will, and, and, and not make it worse by trying to reject it. Um, right. Just knowing that I'm normal because I have that pain. Huge. Um, yeah. 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 I think um, there's a really good book called the mindful path of self-compassion. Have you ever read it? It's no. like, it's one that I recommend quite a bit to people if they just want to dive in a little bit more into what you're talking about outside of this podcast I think that that's a good place to start uh but I think you're so gosh like everything you're saying is just resonating with me so deeply and I 
I think as human beings, we try so hard to avoid pain. And so you're talking about like what I can probably, in my mind, I think the loss of a child is probably the worst pain there is. And that's, uh, I can't imagine worse pain personally. And so we're talking, you're coming from a place of, of pain, but you're, you're saying you don't have to avoid it, which is huge. Most people avoid, a lot of people use different things. So sometimes it's alcohol or food, or um, there's lots of different ways that people can try and cope. But all, all of the things that they use, a lot of the times are ways to actually avoid the pain. And right, so, the maladaptive ways, yeah. Right. So you're talking about something that's so powerful and, uh, in my opinion, the only way to heal, the only way to move forward is really to actually look at the pain, to sit in the pain, to deal with the pain, all of those things. But a lot of people, that sounds really, really scary to them. So what what would you say to those people who are like, you want me to do what? <laughs> right. Um, it, it's, I'm not, it, it, I know it's, it's hard because I'm, I'm there. Right. And I feel very blessed, if you will, of having had this practice before I needed it to this degree. Um, for those who have not had a loss, um, I would definitely encourage them to start looking into this kind of mindset and to mindfulness practice now, like, you know, because it's so um, life altering and it really, it, it's like magic. I mean, I, I say that because it, it feels like magical in the sense that once you've been practicing it when you don't need it, it kicks in when you do. So it's like, wow, I mean, you know, even in the little things like at work and stuff that I would notice when I started my MBSR course and just recognizing how it shifted everything, because rather than living in the state of reactivity, which we're always like reacting to all these things that are coming at us all day long and the level of stress that brings and how it affects not only our mind, you know, our mind, mm -hmm. but our body, you mm -hmm. know, there's major effects that occur in your body as a result of that chronic stress. Um, so yes, you know, learning the practice and, and honing it when you don't need it, I think is of the utmost importance, but for those that have not done that and now are in this place, it absolutely is hard, <laughs> you know, to be able to, to think that way when you you feel like your whole world has fallen apart, you know, and <laughs> It's never going to get easy. It's never going to go away. And everybody grieves differently. So for example, for myself, like, yes, I have these tools and it have helped me personally. And I, by the same token, I see my family and how they are handling it. And it's very different, you know, and I understand that everyone is individual mm -hmm. and that everyone will have their own way through the grief. Um, and seeing where, for example, my husband might have these, you know, thoughts and things of the why and the what ifs, and I know that they need to be released, I can't control him, I can't make him do that. So it's a very individual journey and watching them go through that process, it also hurts me, right? Because I'm watching people I love suffer. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I understanding that that's their own personal journey. So for people that are in this particular space that didn't have this practice before, it's really setting the intention of knowing, okay, this is how I'm feeling and I want to move forward. So it, it, they have to be ready for it. You know, mm -hmm. again, if they're not ready for it, it's not going to happen. And whenever that is for them, that's okay. You know, there's not some kind of timeline where it has to be whatever it is, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I think for me, it's been so early that I've been able to manage it the way I have because of the practice I had before. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean by 
any stretch of the imagination that I'm not grieving, that I'm not hurting, you know, I'm having all of that for sure, but it's the way I'm managing it that is making the biggest difference for my overall well-being right now. Right. Um, so setting the intention is the very first thing, um, you know, to say, okay, I know I'm experiencing this and I want to do something different. And then finding ways to make that happen, you know, to be able to move forward. A book that I've been reading called The Power of Now. Um, I don't know how to spell or, the, or how to say the author's name exactly. It looks like Eckhart Tolle. Mm -hmm. um, is the, I, yeah, I think it's yeah. Tolle maybe. Yeah, T-O-L-L-E, mm -hmm. The Power of Now. Um, mm -hmm. I've been reading it and just seeing how um, it really goes in line with what I've been practicing, but goes, delves even deeper to it. So um, reading and learning and educating yourself about these different things that one can do just to start the healing process. Um, you know, I'm certainly, I can tell people what's worked for me, um, but I don't feel like I could or should, you know, tell people it has to be this way, you know, do this, do that, um, mm. because it is individual, right? But I, again, I think the very first thing is setting the intention, just knowing that you're in the, the place and the space to know I need to do something and then do that something, whatever it is. So if reading books works for you, if going, if part of your healing, one of the things that really can help a lot is going to support groups, um, knowing that you're not alone in your thoughts, in your pain and hearing what others have been through. And then in my case, you know, with the way that I lost my son, knowing that ultimately there wasn't really anything I could do, right? Because you get stuck in those, those what ifs, I would have done this or that. And seeing and hearing other parents that have the same feelings and hearing their story, you know, about what it is that they experienced um, and their child's story, if you will. And seeing the pattern, you know, and the pattern of which that not only is there not a pattern for the most part, but um, also that there's nothing we could have done. Mm -hmm. uh, and forgiving yourself, even if there's something that you feel you could have done, the fact is that at that moment, you didn't know what that thing was and you didn't know that you needed to do something different, right? So mm -hmm. in hindsight, it's easy to blame you know, yourself uh, that you could have done whatever. But if you didn't have the knowledge or the tools to be able to do anything different, then you could, you couldn't have, right. you know, so, so under, like having, just having that forgiveness of yourself and then the forgive, forgiveness of others, you know, um, in the case of, of my son, I mean, I, I don't know why things turned out the way they did, but I can only imagine the kind of pain that he was in to do that mm -hmm. and looking at it in the sense that I know that now he's not suffering anymore and to know that he was suffering that much you know really hurts me um, mm -hmm. that's one of the things that, that I have to sit with right knowing that he had been hurting that much um, when it comes to suicide um, really one of the things that I read a lot about is it's almost like a cancer diagnosis, right? So when someone is in that place that's based to actually do that, they're, they're really ill. Um, you know, something is not, is not right. But mm -hmm. in the case of cancer, for example, where people have a diagnosis and they um, sort of have time to some degree of time anyway, whether it's short or long, depending on, you know, when they found it or whatever, um, to kind of come to grips with that and come to terms with that was something like what I've experienced, there is no time, like it just happens. And it, so it's very shocking and very traumatic. Um, yeah. and, and that even makes the grief more difficult um, and the process more challenging to work through. But being able to recognize now that, that he was suffering to that extent and being able to look at it in the sense that now he's not suffering, then we're the ones left behind and have to determine, well, what are we gonna do next? Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I could just keep asking the what ifs and whys and be heap on the floor and not move forward. Um, not only will that not be in my personal best interest, 
but more than anything, it's also not, you know, I have a family, I have other children and, and people that depend on me and people I love. And I can tell you that some people get, depending on where they are in their grief, will get very angry if somebody says to them, you know, your child wouldn't want you to be unhappy. They would want you to be happy, you know, when they see them grieving, especially when it's, you know, going on for, you know, there's like a year and a half, two years, you know, whatever, seven years, and they're still in the dark pits of, of the grief and people who love them and care about them make comments like that actually makes them very angry. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, though, I, I get where they're coming from. Um, and I personally believe that, you know, I believe that my son would want us to be happy that he was suffering and he loved us. And I know he would want that for us. Mm-hmm. But I understand too, why the other people get angry. Um, and the other thing too, to know is that people with their best intention around us who love us and care about us, especially in a a circumstance like losing a child or particularly to suicide, but don't know what to say. And so sometimes they'll say things that are not, not wonderful, um, or not, or not, the person is not in the place to hear it uh, in the way that they're putting it. And, and, And sometimes it can come off as really insensitive, but again, I'm able to sort of remove myself from that and recognize what their intention is, mm-hmm. right? Totally. And see it, yeah. see it from this is what they're trying to do, even though, boy, that didn't sound quite right. Uh, but not get angry uh, about it and stew on it. And then, you know, yeah. just kind of re- release it. Um, yeah. Well, and I think, I think that we are programmed. I just wrote an article about this in the mom's blog I'm a part of. I think for the most part, people want to try and help other people stop their pain. And so they try and say things that they think will make the pain stop. Uh, So not only do we avoid pain in our own selves, we avoid pain, other people having pain. And so it's so hard to just sit in that pain with somebody else, but that's really what's necessary and what's needed. And, and so then I think this terrible thing happens where people don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to end your pain. So they just avoid you. Right. And then it ends up being isolating and alone. And why aren't people rallying around me when they should be in this, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because they don't, they don't, they don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. They don't know how to make it better. But I think it's so important for people to know it's not their job to make it better. It's just their job to show up. They don't have to have the right words. Right. Yeah. And it's, and it it comes back to what I was saying before about the resistance piece, right? So not only will you resist the pain yourself, but you don't know how to sit with the pain of someone else and you're trying to resist that too. Um, And, and certainly, you know, I think it's a good thing to want to help others, but mm-hmm. just knowing that maybe they're not in that place necessarily, you know, to, to, to accept that. And so just being there for them. Sometimes, you know, we just, what we need sometimes is someone to listen, you know, yeah. to us. so being an active listener um, and even sometimes just being a support, you know, and being present, like, like saying, Hey, if you, you know, need to talk, I'm here for you. Like, or, there's just so many things one can do, but, you know, by telling people to not feel pain or not, you know, do X, Y, Z is not helpful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can right. tell you, it really does make some people really um, upset. But mm. like I said, for me, you know, just, I, I, I do personally feel that, you know, my son loved us very much and he wouldn't want us to be unhappy because I know that that's how he felt. Why would he want that? for us that he loved us, you know, so, so I can see it that way, even though some other people have a difficult, you know, time. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm saying there's not a right or, or wrong way. The main thing I think is just being a support system for someone and actively listening without telling them what they should be doing or feeling, because yeah. what the individual is feeling is what they're feeling and trying to tell them they shouldn't feel that way is only going to upset them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's kind of the, you know, the bottom line. Right. Well, and we all deal with things so differently and we all have such a different foundation to draw from too. I think when, when bad things happen like this, 
your foundation was a lot different than other people's foundations. I think the personal growth, the the foundation in your spiritual beliefs and faith, and there's so many different pieces that come into how people cope and how people deal with things. Um, and not everybody has that exact same foundation. And the thing that I love about you, Laura, and I admire so much is your ability to talk about all of this uh, as you're going through it, even when it's painful, even when it's hard. This is what we need as not only people, but this is what we need as a, as a world, as a community, as society to make changes, I really truly believe, is people like you saying, this is terrible, this is hard, and I'm gonna talk about it. I'm gonna be open about it. I'm gonna let you know what I'm going through. And I know you're doing a series on Facebook called the Broken Open Series, which I love. It's so beautiful and it's, you have it, it's called the path from surviving to thriving. and this is what we need we need to know the reality of what people are going through and what healing looks like and so i just i just want to say thank you for that because there's so much stigma too surrounding mm -hmm. suicide and the only way to change things the only way to move forward too is it is to talk about it. Yeah, and I, I really appreciate that, Sarah. That means a lot to me. Um, I just felt like, to me, the silence has to stop. Mm -hmm. So the silence is one of the things I feel, I don't want to say took my son. Ultimately, maybe it would have been the same. I get, again, I have no way to know. But because I didn't know the depth of his experience and because he kept that to himself, I didn't know to do anything more than what I was doing. And so it's that silence, you know, people suffering in silence, hmm. you know, I, to me, I don't, I don't think, oh, people, if I talk about this and that my son died by suicide, there's a stigma that needs to just stop. You know, we need to yeah. talk about it. And there's so many misconceptions out there. I mean, one of the things that after losing my son, I decided, okay, I need to learn more about this because I have other children and what, you know, I'm like, what did I miss? What did I not know? Um, and so I began educating myself and I, I got what's called QPR um, sort certified. QPR stands for question, persuade and refer. And it's, a, it's a, the, through the QPR Institute, which is a suicide prevention sort of concept or teaching where they talk about what to look for. What are the signs? You know, what do you say to someone if you think that they might be suicidal or people, you know, even like kind of kid about it, right? There's so many myths out there, right? The people mm -hmm. like that you think, oh, if somebody's talking about it, they're saying they're saying they're going to. Uh, they're thinking about taking their life or, you know, there's all these little terms that, right. Um, they talk about what some of those terms might be. They talk about the myths that if somebody is talking about it, that doesn't mean, oh, cause they're saying it, they just want attention and they're not going to do it. Not true. Right. Also like going forward and talking to somebody who you're concerned might be thinking about it is somehow going to put that in their head. Like now, if you ask them now, now they're going to, I just had somebody in the suicide group, um, one of the ones I'm in, a mom make that comment. She said, Oh, how do you talk to them about it without putting that in their head? That's a myth. Mm, yes. Okay. And so people have this, all these notions that are not even true surrounding suicide. So mm -hmm. really educating yourself is so important. And that's the, the route I went on. Like, I want to know. And then I just thought the next step for me was also, okay. Uh, I'm trying to think about the different things that that um, course talked about. But also, what do you say? So what do you say to someone, right? And what, what do you do? So if they say yes or suicidal, what do you do? Mm -hmm. So it walks you through what you do. Uh, because so many people are afraid to talk about it. And then they go up to them and they might say, yes, I am. But then what? Right. right. So, so I think that the education on all those steps is so important. And, and then I just thought, you know what? I cannot change what's happened. Mm -hmm. 
I, this is the worst thing. Like you said before this, I cannot even begin to fathom any worst thing that can ever happen to me in my entire life. This has happened. And no matter how much I hate it and how, no matter how much I wish this path was different, this is my path. Now this has happened. I cannot change that, mm-hmm. but I can change what happens next. And I feel very strongly that through this pain, we can be transformed. And for me, mm-hmm. it's, I want to spread the word about the education concerning and surrounding and the stigma with, with um, suicide and mental health. And there is a QPR trainer program. So you can train to be a trainer. And I've already co- contacted the school board. I've contacted mm-hmm. the school itself. Um, and uh, I told them, look, I want to help with education in this, not only for the teachers, but also for the students. We need to talk about this. Yeah. And they, thankfully, they've been very receptive, but it can't be just at a school, like, right? Because, yes, that's right. great. That's a start. But, you know, so my start is that I'm going to do something about this in my community. But then I'm not stopping there because this is something that's going on everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to be a part of that shift. Yeah. How I am honoring my son's life. And through this, we can still, he and I, work together to make a difference through what's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I'm going to do with my pain, my loss, is do something with it to make a difference in the lives of other people so that they don't have to suffer this pain because it takes education. You know, people need to, again, know what to do, know what the signs are. Um, right. Because after the fact, you know, now it's happened, you know, and then you're in this place. And then it, it, that's hard, again, to sit with, you know, that these these things happen, but I didn't know what to do about it. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't know that it was, I thought it was just a normal teen stuff, you know, and I hear this a lot from other parents, you know, we just didn't know. And that's, again, where that forgiveness comes in. You know, I just didn't know, you can't know what you didn't know, you know. Um, I thought that too. I thought it was normal teen stuff. And there are teens that go through all that stuff, but that don't take their life. You know, there are people that have these challenges that don't take their life. Well, what makes them do that? You know, I, I don't have all the answers, but I'm, I'm going to keep, my commitment is to keep learning about it and to start spreading the word um, and educating others in this respect. And it has to start somewhere. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I'm certainly not perfect um, and I don't expect everybody's journey to be like mine, but you know, if, if if my journey can help anybody, then I'm happy to share it. And that's why I started that Broken Open series. Just, I'm just going to put it out there, you know, and I can't even tell you people have come to me privately and said, oh my gosh, you know, I've experienced this. I've experienced that. Thank you so much for sharing because they keep it quiet Yes. because they don't, you know, there's, they're either suffering through something right now um, or they have in the past and nobody, they don't talk about it you know, and we have to open, we have to allow that space, you know, open, open the conversation for people to talk about it. This is not as um, unusual or isolated as it may seem. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Which is why I've, I've made the shift in, in my professional life, the way that I have in wanting to build community and groups and that type of thing, because I hear the things uh, you know, all day, every day that people don't talk about in, in the open, they talk about to me and they think they're the only ones that feel that way. But I see 10 people that day who also feel (laughs) the exact same way. And Mm -hmm. it's like, how is this going to change on a bigger scale until we all know we're not alone in this? We're not alone. We all feel the same way. And, and we need the support of each other and, and all of the journeys are completely different and that's okay. But just to know I can, I don't have to hide this. I don't have to isolate myself. This is normal for me to feel this way and other people feel this way to some extent also. It's just so powerful and that's what will create a movement. It's not going in and 
telling one person, you know, which I'm not, therapy is amazing. It's so helpful in lots of different realms and areas, Mm -hmm. uh, which is why I still do therapy because I think it's necessary in, in a lot of situations, but in a lot of situations, what's really actually necessary is to be connected with other people. And, and, and there's, so you're creating, you're creating that community too, which is so huge. So, so huge. I think we need community to heal. And so, oh, it just gets me fired up. (laughs) I hear you. I hear you. We all, we really, you know, I think you hit upon a key piece is that we're all connected. Yeah. And for me, one of my main, you know, you, 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 I know we're not there yet, but you know, you said you were going to ask me what is one of the key things I want people to know oh, and yeah. that is that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. They're not alone and that they matter. You know, yeah. people just feel like, again, that they're not enough and they are, there are not, there are enough right now, you know, and maybe you want to be better. You will work on that and that's okay. You know, we all want to be better. Uh, but you're enough right now the way you are. And even through the pain and the worst challenges that you can ever have in your life, this is life. This is it right now. And through those things, you can still have joy. You don't have to wait till X, Y, Z happens to have mm-hmm. the joy, um, to be happy or, or feel fulfilled. You can still want more, but be okay with where you are right now. Yeah. You know, I think is really important because otherwise there's always this wanting, this wanting, you know, this desire that you have and grasping at, you know, something out there, something out there, but it's right here. You have mm-hmm. it right there, right now. Yeah. You know, and it's just the recognition of that. That is very powerful. No, oh, so huge. I think though, too, people feel like I've been through this pain and, and because I've had such a deep loss or because I should be grieving in a certain way, I'm not allowed to have joy either. Right. right. And there's that should be, and you know, I'm glad you said that because there is no should be. In fact, right. I think that's, I might've said that on my thing yesterday that I should be this, or I should be that you shouldn't have to be anything. And sometimes, you know, people say, in fact, my husband's even said that, you know, I, I feel guilty if I smile or if I have joy, you know, or something. And then there's that yeah. sort of stigma. If, Hey, if I go and I'm doing this thing and I seem happy, are people going to think, why is she happy? What's wrong with her? You know, how right. she and it's, so it's everybody's judgment. And that's when people just have to back down, <laughs> you know, and stop judging other people. You know, mm. they're going through something that is so hard, you know, that a lot of people that you may know haven't been through, you know, and, to think that it's supposed to should be some X certain way is a fallacy. You know, yeah. it's, it's however it needs to be for them at that moment. Um, totally. And so just with the people around us, just knowing that that's okay. Uh, I know I'm okay with it. And so I just share, I just say, this is what's happening now. And sometimes I feel all right. And sometimes I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that that's okay. Um, so there's that, that gold in the shit, right? <laughs> Yeah, I've been thrown some major poop pile, um, and just getting getting through it, and knowing that through that challenge, I still can be transformed in a positive way if I choose to be. You know, we have a choice about what we do, um, and I choose to move forward um, mm-hmm. for my own sake, in honor of my son, because I know that that's what he want. He was struggling with that. Why would he want that for me? You know, and so for me, moving forward is important to honor his life and then to honor those that are still here, you know, because I have my other children. I have a husband. I have, you know, other people that care about me that I care about. And um, so that that's my journey and my path and why I'm choosing to to move forward in that way. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. So. Can you tell us, and I feel like you've already answered this, but, uh, well, I'll ask you again anyways, (laughs) but back to the questions. So what do you feel has been the most vital to your growth 
It can be, I, I know, I feel like before maybe, well, I'm not going to answer it for you. You answer it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, vital to my growth. Um, I just think it's so, so many things, but the, the first thing is having the motivation to do it, right? Because like I was saying that nobody, I cannot control anyone. Nobody can truly control me except myself. And so having that intention to take care of me and not feel guilty for that, knowing that if I do, I'm going to be better for everyone else. Cause I just, there's so many people that feel guilty about taking care of themselves. And I feel like it's, it's crucial that we do that. So that's mm -hmm. where it begins. It begins with you. Mm -hmm. Okay. With each individual. And then really to me, a lot of it came before now, you know, um, where all those, the reading about the mindset and, uh, how I look at challenges, you know, my, my own perception of things. And then, um, the tools that I've been, been able to acquire on this journey that I still have to learn to practice. I mean, just because I have the tools, I still, I still do those things, right. Where I, I have the why or I have the what, you know, but I, but I, I have the awareness now. So mm -hmm. I see it for what it is and then I can refocus. So that constant shifting, I have to constantly do it. It's not like I never have that thought, Yeah. but then what do I do with it? You know, and I choose to shift it to a different sort of more, um, I don't want to say meaningful, but more productive way. Right. Um, mm -hmm. that's going to be, I think ultimately better for my well being. Um, and so I don't know if I've even answered your question at this point, yeah. <laughs> yes. but, but that, that's, um, those things I think have just been really, um, a huge part of my journey. Um, mm -hmm. and, and just setting again, that intention, that word constantly keeps coming up, but it's, you know, for me, for me knowing that I need to be responsible for myself and that no one else is going to do it for me mm. and nobody can, nobody can do it for me, you, no matter what their, you know, best thing they want for me. Um, I have to be the one to take the steps. And, um, so you, you have to set that intention and say, I'm going to take the steps and start doing it and then surround yourself with people that are going to support you in that. Yeah. And not everyone may support you, you know, and you have to be okay with that too. There's some things that you have to know to let go, um, knowing to set the boundaries, um, as you need to for you. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I think just that is the, 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 I think the number one piece, right? So knowing that it has to stem from you. Mm -hmm and then moving forward with that. Um, yeah, yes. I think that that's, um, that's where it starts. Yeah. Awesome. So good. So, so good. All right. Well, I know that people are going to want to connect with you. So, uh, I will have your links in the show notes to make it easier, but why don't you tell people a little bit about how they can find you, how they can connect with you, uh, talk to you more if they want to, and just kind of follow your journey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so of course I'm on Facebook and it's a pub, you know, it's public. So anybody can really friend me or anything on there. Um, I'm happy again, just like I've been doing to talk to anyone about any of these things. Um, anybody I can help, that is my biggest desire um, to help others. And so either Facebook message me, um, find me on Facebook and friend me. I have a website. Um, it's thewellnessdoctor.com, completely spelled out that way. So thewellnessdoctor.com um, is my website. And there's a contact button, you know, on there. Um, and so that's another way um, to reach out to me. And then my email, people can email me as well. And, and my email is dr.laura, L-A-U-R-A, at thewellnessdoctor.com. Awesome. Are you on Instagram? I am, but I rarely check it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I, I am on there, though. Yeah. yeah. It's hard. I know. I, I have a hard time keeping up with Facebook and then adding another social media. Yeah. It's, There's a lot. 
All right. Well, I will have all of those links uh, for everybody so that they can get to you and, and talk to you if that's something that they feel is on their heart. And even if they're not ready to, to have a chat with you, at least following and reading your series and all the amazingness that you have going on, I think is just so valuable uh, for so many people. So thank you. Thank you for speaking your truth. Thank you for speaking where you're at and, and using, I think you said earlier, through this pain, we can be transformed, which just is so powerful. And I think that so many people will be transformed because of your ability to, to speak up, to not allow the silence to, to take over. So I just thank you for that. Thank you, Sarah. I really appreciate you. Um, yeah. And thank you for having me on the show and let, letting me speak about this that's so near and dear to my heart and is just so raw and real for me. Again, I, like you said, I just feel like it's so imp important to, to not be silent about it. And um, yeah, so thank you for letting me share. Wow, I told you, you would be so touched by Laura and her story and her heart. She is truly an example of transforming through pain and even in the midst of that pain is growing and striving to help others. I have no doubt she will create a movement in honor of her beautiful son, Andrew. Thank you, Laura, for speaking out and for not allowing the silence to prevail. We are so blessed by you and your voice. If you would like to connect with Laura, you can find her on her website, on Facebook, and through email. And those links are in the show notes to make it easier for you to get in touch with her. I encourage you to follow her Broken Open series on Facebook. And if you or someone you know has thoughts of suicide, please call the National Crisis Hotline at one 800 273 8255 to get the support you deserve. Thank you for joining us on this episode. Remember your story makes you who you are. Speak your truth, grow constantly, rise above, and always know you are not on this journey alone. See you next time.